Now, if you got your Bibles, we started this new study last week called Be Radical. It's on the book of Philemon. So it's right after the little book of, of uh, Titus and before Hebrews. And if you, in case you weren't here, let me give you the little bit of a thumbnail sketch of what's going on. Uh, Philemon, as best we understand, was a man that Paul had met. He is from Colossae, but probably had met in Ephesus when Paul was there. Paul had been able to share the gospel with him. He accepted Christ. Paul had helped disciple him as he went back to Colossae. He helped the church there and became a leader in the church. Well, Philemon had a slave by the name of Onesimus who ran away, stole from him, went to Rome. God in his you know, crazy, amazing sovereignty brings Onesimus and Paul together in Rome while Paul's there under house arrest. Paul shares the gospel. Onesimus becomes a believer in Jesus. Radical life change and begins to minister to Paul. But the, Paul knows though that, and that was a brother in Christ, he's got a problem. He's offended and, and, and not done right by his brother Philemon. And there needs to be reconciliation. And so now Paul is writing some letters. He's written a book to the, or a letter to the church there at Colossae. We know it as Colossians. And he's sending Onesimus and another man by the name of Tychicus back with that book. But he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon. So he writes this little book of introduction to Philemon of what's happened to Onesimus and a challenge to receive him. So when we talk about radical, we're talking about radical grace, radical forgiveness, radical love. Last week we looked at verse 3 and this idea of grace. Man, to live in reconciliation, it takes grace. Grace on the part of the one seeking reconciliation, the one on the part giving the forgiveness. But what it also leads to is peace. Today we're going to focus on verses 4 and 5. And this is what he says. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So, real minor point, I, I just, but I didn't want to fly by on this. Because as I read that, you know, Paul says, I thank my God, and go, man, I think I've heard Paul say that before. So I went back and looked. Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, both of those books in chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. In all of those books, Paul starts with this idea of giving thanks. And, and you think about Paul even now under house arrest, stuff isn't going so well for him. But you see, he's looking at what God's doing. For him, the class is, is uh, half full because God is at work. God's working in Onesimus. God's working in Philemon. God's going to give this beautiful picture of reconciliation. What a great way to approach life. You want to talk about having hope? Look at what God's doing. What's God teaching me? What is God doing in other people's lives? Live with a heart of thanksgiving. And so Paul begins this with that. But you'll notice in verse 5 specifically what he's giving thanks for. He's giving thanks for Philemon's love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So Paul's focus here is on the character of Philemon. 
that here's this man who's come to faith in Christ. Paul watched him begin to grow, but he continues to hear reports. He's continuing to develop. He's continuing to grow. He's becoming more and more like Christ. His faith is growing. His love is growing. And that is what Paul is thankful for. And you think about how we often pray for one another. We get so focused on the, you know, the health and protection. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for that. That's fine. I think God cares about that. But what Paul was really focused on, and I think make a big difference in the way we pray, is that we, we focused on, Lord, I want to I grow. I, I want to become more like you. Focusing on that Christian development here. But this raises a question. So you, you read this, and he talks about love and faith towards Christ Jesus and towards all the saints. And, and to me it raises this question. What does he mean by love and faith? Is it faith and love, love and faith towards Jesus and towards other believers? Or is it one, you know, like faith goes to Jesus, love goes to people, right? Doesn't that seem to make sense? Or both. What, what does he mean here? And part of the confusion is, depending on which translation of the Bible you're reading out of, it translates it differently. Like some of you I know use the uh, NIV, the New International Version, or the NLT, and it actually breaks them apart. So the NIV says, because I hear of your love for all his holy people, that's the saints, and your faith in Christ Jesus. So they break it apart. But the New American Standard that I read out of, or maybe if you're using the ESV, says, no, 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 no. It's faith or love and faith towards Jesus and love and faith towards people. Now, that caught my attention. Hmm, I wonder what it is. So you begin to look, and you know there are certainly points in which Paul does break them apart. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, For this reason I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, so faith goes to Jesus, and your love for all the saints. And even in Colossians, which remember he's writing at the same time, sending at the same time, that he writes this little book, he also breaks them apart there. Since I heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... And the love which you have toward all the saints. So my question as I'm looking at this goes, so what's the better translation? What is he trying to say here? Now, I don't want to bore you with Greek because, trust me, Greek is very boring. But I think the New American Standard, the ESV, got this right here. That In fact, it's, it's the way it's, it's laid out it seems to me to be very specific that what Paul is talking about is that he is thankful for his love and faith both towards Jesus and also towards the saints. And when you begin to put that in the context of this book, this is powerful. So when we think about love and faith towards Jesus, I mean, the one of the things that we know is that the entire journey of the Christian life begins with faith, right? We are born into the family of God by faith. You, you don't become a Christian by being born into a Christian family, right? You don't become a Christian by joining a Christian church, right? 
You don't become a Christian by reading the Bible. You become a Christian by putting faith in Jesus Christ. And specifically what we're told, there's two things that we have to believe. Number one, that Jesus is the Son of God. And number two, that he came and he died for us. He took our sins. He was the one that God chose, that God anointed, the Messiah that God picked to come and to bear our sins. In fact, when you think about there in the book of John, uh, you get all the way, that book which is all about faith, it's all about believing. And John says, you know what? I told these stories of Jesus' life so that... You may believe, number one, that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that God chose to bear your sins. And number two, that he's the son of God. And the believing you would have life in his name. Folks, that's where the journey begins. And so, you know, you're, you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching on a screen someplace. And you're going, man, I've, I've never done that. Can I just give you really good news? You can do that today. Because here's the thing, faith is not an emotion. We always think that, you know, well, I'm not sure if I believe or not. No, no, no. Faith is a matter of will. It's a choice. I mean, we, we practice it every day. Every day you go out and get in your car, you are choosing to believe that, that you know, you're going to drive well, that car is going to run well, and hopefully the people on the other side of the street are going to drive well too, Right. Every time you get on an elevator, you choose to believe. You go get on an airplane, you choose to believe. Well, you choose to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you have life in his name. And if you haven't done it, that's where it begins. But that is where it begins. It's not where it ends. And so faith continues to grow as we go through life and we go through difficult times and we go through good times and we see the promises of God and we lean into him and we see that God keeps his word and that God is faithful. That faith muscle inside of us is stretched. Now, one little side point here. Just because you go through difficult times as a Christian does not mean that your faith is going to grow. If you don't lean into Jesus, in fact, you get mad, turn your back, decide to do your own thing, you're not going to grow in faith because you start trusting in yourself. But as you start trusting in Jesus and relying on, God, you said you'd bring me through this. God, you said you'd provide for my need. I just lost my job. You lean into Jesus. You're going to see his faithfulness. And then when you see his faith, your faith muscle is built up and you grow in faith. And then the outcome of that is, as your faith grows, you just fall in love with him more and more. Because you see his faithfulness. You see that it's, you know, it started with the cross and we're thankful for that. But man, he's involved in my life today. He is with me. He cares about me. He knows what I'm going through. And he's at work in my life. Probably the best way I could illustrate this, and I know many of you could probably touch this in your own life. But we're coming up December 1st, 32 years. 32 years I stood on a stage and I looked at that cute little blonde there and I promised to, to love her till death do us part. And I can assure you on that day that I stood there 32 years ago, I loved her with all my heart. 
I could not have loved her more. I mean, especially with all that I had been through, she was just that answer to God's faithfulness to me, and I was, my life was full and it was good. Now, for 32 years now, we've walked life together. And the things that I knew and the things that I've seen, I've seen in living color as we've raised three kids together. We've raised a church together. Uh, We've, uh, we're now grandparenting four kids together. You know, we've gone through the good, we've gone through the bad. I've seen her kindness, I've seen her grace. And and I can tell you without any reservation that I love her more today than I did 32 years ago, even though I loved her with my entire heart. And many of you understand, you're going, yeah, well, see, that's the same thing with Jesus. The longer you walk with him and you see his faithfulness and his goodness and his kindness, man, your love grows. And that's what Paul says, I hear of you, Philemon. Your love and your faith are growing to Jesus, and that's good. But the part I really want to focus on is this idea of Love and faith towards others. Now, the love part we probably get, right? We know this is a huge piece of Christianity. We are called to love one another. Probably the best passage on that is that passage in John. You know, Jesus is gathering his disciples in the upper room. They're getting ready to, I mean, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. This begins it. And so they gather in this upper room and John Chapter 13, verse 1 puts it like this. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. I love that verse. And remember, they got there and there was no one there to wash their feet. And so Jesus himself humbled himself, went and washed their feet and then told them, hey, you need to do this. And then he looked at them in the eye and said, listen, a new commandment I'm giving you, that you love one another even as I have loved you that you would love one another. And by this, all men will know you're my disciples. I'm going away. you got to be my hands and feet to each other. you got to love each other. They had communion. They left the upper room. They're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to be betrayed. He says it two more times in John chapter 15. you got to love one another. you got to love one another. Obviously, we know the story. He goes to the cross and he dies. He pays for our sin. He's raised from the dead. He, he's there with him for 40 days. Then he ascends to heaven. This new thing has started, this church. And now the, the writers to that early church begin to remind us, you've got to love each other. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, puts it like this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another. Peter, when he writes his book to the believers, he, he says, oh, uh, oh, wait, we went past it real quick. There we go. Above all. And I wish we had time to look at the context because he'd been telling us a lot of stuff we needed to be doing. But he says this, above all, above everything else, be fervent in your love for one another. Why? Love covers a multitude of sin. John, when he writes his little epistle, he says it a lot. First, uh, chapter 4, verse 21, he puts it like this. And this is the commandment that we have from him, speaking of Jesus, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Folk, we know this. We are to be growing in our love for one another. So let me ask you a question. How, how have we done loving each other? These last four to five months in this COVID thing. 
I mean, because we all know, right, there's a, they're, they're just this wide spectrum. I mean, there, there's some folk, uh, I mean, I'll use this side, uh, you know, they kind of think this is all a conspiracy theory to take away our rights, right? And then you have others over here that think that this is the end of the world and we will never survive this. And then in between those are the rest of us. How have we loved one another in these moments? How have we gently, graciously ministered to each other, cared for those that are on opposite ends of this thing, that don't see it the way? Have have we dealt with it with compassion and gentleness or with hostility and anger? Well, wait a minute. We're, we're supposed to be coming more like Jesus. We're supposed to be growing in our love for one another. Let me maybe bring it a little closer to home. We're in the middle of a political season. I think, you know, as I look, I think most of us kind of agree on most of the problems. What we disagree on is the solutions. And probably the same thing, we, we, we've got this, this huge spectrum here. Now, of course, we all know if you just saw it my way, we'd really be able to fix it, right? How are we loving each other? I mean, for those who sit on the Republican side of things, do you understand that there are people who love Jesus and care just as deeply for him as you do, who see things more as a Democrat? From their side and Democrats, do you understand that there are people on the Republican side who love Jesus and care about him just as much as you do? They just kind of see the answers differently than you do? Oh, let's not forget the libertarians because there's Christians there too, right? Folk, how are we growing in our love for one another? And to me... That the big thing is, is when you think about this, is that this actually ties into that next point, which is to me is the hardest of all the four. I get loving Jesus and growing in love and growing in faith. And I even get growing in love towards others. But what does he mean by growing in faith towards others? Ah, but this is the point. This is what Philemon is going to have to be able to get his arms around. We are called to grow in our faith of one another. Now, now that's hard. It's hard for someone like me. So I will tell you that one of the pillars that I built a lot of my life on was the pillar of this. You know, we call them plumb lines, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? Okay, I'll get taken advantage of once. If it happens a second time, then that's on me. So I'm going to become defensive. I'm going, to, I'm going to start building up walls. And at some point in my life, I had to raise the question, but Steve, is that consistent with the theology that you say you believe? You see, I believe that Jesus changes lives. 
I believe that if a man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, by the way, I also believe that, that I'm on a journey and God's not done with me yet, right? I often say this. Listen, I'm not perfect. God's still working on me. Well, can I believe that about a brother or sister in Christ? How is my faith towards the others? And then you stop and you look at how Jesus demonstrated faith. And his followers. You know, what a band of followers he had. But you think of James and John. Jesus has been with them. They've seen his love, his compassion, how he even cares about the Samaritans. And so they're heading to Jerusalem, and one Samaritan town wouldn't let Jesus stay there. You know, the sons of thunder. Hey, you want us to call fire down from heaven? Jesus corrected them. But he did not write them off. He knew he was still at work in their heart. Peter denies him three times. And there's a moment of need. Yeah, Jesus even warned him it was coming. And yet when he's raised from the dead and he sees Mary, what does he say? Go tell my brothers I'm going on to Galilee. I'm going to meet him there. But especially tell Peter. He knew what he was going to become. He knew he wasn't done with Peter yet. You think about Thomas. I mean, you want to talk about a guy squirrely? So Jesus shows up the night of the resurrection, and everybody's there but Thomas. So all these guys he's been with for three years, hey, Jesus is alive. And for whatever dumb reason, Thomas decides to put his foot in the ground and says, I will not believe. You're all liars. I will not believe until I put my finger in his hand. And one week later, Jesus shows up, and Thomas is there. He says, hey, Thomas, come here. Oh, bring your finger. <laughs> you know why? Because he knew that Thomas was going to take the gospel. He wasn't finished with Thomas. See, faith. Faith in people that God is at work. And so the same faith. And I was, you know. This is so important. It's not only important for our hearts to grow in faith towards people, but, but the people that, that make mistakes. I, I was thinking this week about myself. I, very long story. I can't tell you the whole story. But at 21 years of age, out of Bible school, I end up being a youth pastor that I probably should have never been, to be real honest with you. I was so young and dumb and stupid. But a huge youth group. I mean, there were like 200 kids, junior high, senior high, all put together. And, and, and i got to be honest with you, I did a lot of dumb things. And I've been so grateful that for 25 years, we've never had a youth pastor here do a dumb thing. <clears throat> At least we've been sympathetic. Because I was there. I did it. Loved Jesus. Made some poor, poor mistakes. Unprofessional. There was a guy on staff. He, uh, he just wouldn't uh, ever accept that, you know what, I made a mistake, I apologize. Let's have some grace to move on. In fact, for five years, it became the scourge of my life. Hurts. What we're called to do is to have faith, to grow in our faith towards others. If, if I could explain it just real quickly because I'm, I'm running out of time. Let me give you these four things. Number one, 
When I talk about having faith in others, what I'm really saying is that our confidence is in God, not in them, right? We're, we're all fallen, we're all broken. But our confidence is, is that God is at work in their hearts, that God is maturing them, that God is, is training them up, that God will use this in their life. And, and so he's at work. Just like I want people to understand I'm not perfect, I'm gonna make mistakes, but I want you to, to have confidence that God is still working in me. I need to show that towards others. Secondly, is that when people do mess up, when people do make decisions that we don't agree with, that we choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, as Christians, what we also often do is that we ascribe motivation. And the motivation is always bad. Instead of saying, listen, I I don't understand why, but you know what? I know they love Jesus. I mean, again, I've seen this in the church world right now. I mean, we're all, as pastors, we're trying to figure out how to go through this. And some churches have opened and some haven't. And and, and I hear about all of this, you know, and and ascribing motive. In fact, right, the best thing, you talk about the spectrum. Uh, So I'll point this way because this is California. You know, we've all heard of John MacArthur, right? Great pastor, great godly man, loves Jesus has decided that he feels like God's telling him that their church needs to be open even though there's, you know, there might have been you know, cops and arrests today. We don't know. But they're going to open, right? On the other side, I'll point this way because that's where Atlanta is. There's a guy there by the name of Andy Stanley. He's a great pastor. He loves Jesus. He's decided they're not going to open up till January, right? And what I see is, is depending on what side of this thing you're on, you're, you're, you're scribing to be, oh, they're doing it for the wrong motive. They're doing this. How about the fact that, hey, both of these men love Jesus. Both of them are seeking the Lord. It probably wouldn't be the decision I would make. But you know what? I'm going to believe that they are trying to do the best they can to be a follower of Jesus. How about that kind of grace towards one another, growing in faith? It also means that we're willing to give people a second and third chance. Now, I want to be really careful here. Because if they're not following Jesus, they're not trying to do right. I, I don't, I'm not talking about enabling people. That's a whole different story. That's not one. But when people sincerely are trying to follow the Lord and they've screwed up, they've messed up, how do we come alongside and lend them the hand and help pick them back up? And give them another opportunity, and sometimes another opportunity, and another opportunity, because we see that even though they're weak, they're seeking to follow after the Lord. And will we be willing to show the grace and the forgiveness and the understanding, the mercy, the kindness, even when it costs us? Again, put this into the story. Onesimus stole from Philemon. Will Philemon ever get that back? Probably not. He lost, we don't know, six months, a year, two years of what Onesimus was due him to serve him. Never going to be made up. Philemon, can you trust that God's working in his life and just let that go and love him as a brother? Folk, we are called to grow in our love and faith towards Jesus, but also in our love and our faith towards one another. 
And let me tell you, sometimes you do that. Guess what? The person you give the second chance to and you show the... They're going to fail you again. It hurts. But are we willing to suffer the loss? You know, if, if I'm going to err, can I not err towards too much grace? Then err towards a cold, critical heart. Radical. Radical love, radical faith towards Jesus, towards others.